And that's your first question every time you have a decision to make. You stand at the crossroads, and you wonder which way to go. And your question is, which way will please the Lord? That will control your thinking. It will drive you to your knees and say, Lord, open to my mind what is right. Lead me in your book, in your word, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then you have the flip side. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. We don't want to be fools. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. I count it a great privilege to be a minister of the gospel, to have the Bible in my hand and to sit behind this microphone and to preach and teach the Lord Jesus Christ, my own personal Lord and Savior. The Lord saved me when I was 18 years of age. I was a farm boy. I was brought up with every intention of continuing in my father's footsteps. Uh, he had passed away a year prior to my conversion. But by two years after my conversion, I felt the call to preach the gospel. And I prepared for Bible school back in Northern Ireland and uh, entered the ministry of the Free Presbyterian denomination. Then in 1984, God called me here to British Columbia my wife, Beulah, and I settled in Cloverdale, proclaiming the good news of the gospel. This is the Lord's doing, and we give him all the glory and all the praise, and we just ask that we might be useful instruments in his hands to continue to preach the cross. We'd love to hear from you, to know that you're listening in day by day, and that the Lord has ministered to your heart and I hope that you'll become a regular listener Monday to Friday, 5 and 5, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m., as we let the Bible speak from the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. Our burden is to preach Christ in all his fullness, because this is the need of men and women. Only the Lord Jesus satisfies the human heart. It's not gimmicks. It's not principles and methods. It's Jesus. It's Christ himself. And I trust that you will come to know him. And I pray that the Lord will minister to your heart today. Stay tuned now as we go to part two on the Proverbs. I tell you what I'd really love to do this morning, and that is to take a poll of how many people remember anything from the Proverbs last week. How much do we remember of what we learned of those Proverbs? We stated that a proverb is like a picture in a gallery. It is like looking at just a still picture. It's not a video. And we likened a parable to a video. You've got a storyline, people, family, home, events taking place, and it's moving. That's a video. That's a parable. A proverb is a still picture. And it causes us to focus on one great truth and to study it and get the gist of its interpretation right into our hearts. Now, Proverbs 1-7 is the proverb of all proverbs. 
It's the mother proverb. It's the beginning one. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's the basic. That's the absolute. Now, did you remember the windmill story where you had the little boy out playing around the windmill and his dad says, be careful. And when he got too close, the dad came in with his hand and lifted him up to give him a little scare. There is a great difference between fate and the loving hand of a good God. Now, the fear of the Lord is not slavish. God is not out to get us. God is not out to destroy us. But fear is fear. It's just fear. There is a line we draw between the Creator and the creature. If we try to cross that line and erase the line that, you know, we are God and God is in us, which is pantheism, God's in the trees, God's in the mountains. No, God is the creator. He existed as the eternal God before anything in this world was created, including you and me. He made us of the dust, and we are to serve him. We are subservient to him. Therefore, we must serve him. And we are to fear him. Now, I know that a lot of people have a problem with talking about Christianity, the gospel, the gentle, meek, and mild Jesus, and then talking about fear. And surely when the Lord Jesus in risen form appeared to his disciples, did he not say, fear not? And here we are saying we're fearing the Lord. So what is this? How do we get a handle on this? I must say that I, I worked at this, and I wanted to come up with something that just clears it all up. Take away the muddiness and the fog and make it shine brightly crystal clear. And do you know what my result is? Fear is fear. The authorized version translators in the English language got the right word. Fear. You and I are to fear the Lord. Now, how do we come to that conviction? How do we do our homework on that? After all, we're supposed to be researchers. We don't walk by blind faith. We've got to study this word until we understand it. And God has not given us a book of enigmas that cannot be understood. God wants us to know. And after all, Proverbs is all about the beginning of knowledge. So it's not to lead us into mystery and darkness, but into light and to liberty and understanding. There is a key to use. It's called Hebrew parallelism, and it's found in Hebrew poetry. You'll find it in the Psalms. You'll find it here in the book of Proverbs. Now, parallelism means one verse or sentence, and it has two parts. The first part makes a statement, and then below it will be a parallel statement. Hence, we call it parallelism. Now, I want to give you a couple of instances where there is a parallel line for this fear of the Lord. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 5. Chapter 2, verse 5. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. 
That's the first statement. The parallel line with that, and find the knowledge of God. And so the fear of the Lord is really to know God, to know who He is, to know how big He is. He's the Creator. He is big. He is mighty. In fact, the Bible tells us He is almighty. El Gabor, the almighty God. He's also called in the Bible the terrible Lord God. And in Hebrews 12, he is referred to as a consuming fire. And in that very verse, says, fear him. He's a God that judges sin. He judged Sodom and Gomorrah. He judged in the days of Noah, wiping out the whole population outside the ark. This is the God with whom we have to do. And we're to know him, the fear of the Lord well, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of him. There's the parallel. Now go to also Proverbs 15 and verse 33. 33. Here again we have a text that speaks of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before him is humility. Humility. So, if you are a person who fears the Lord, you will have a humble spirit. There will be a reverence. There will be a line you draw between you and the God whom you worship. He is king. You are his subject. He is the Lord to whom you bow the knee in humility. And so, to fear the Lord is linked with an attitude of humility. We've got to deal with our pride when we come to worship God. We've got to watch our pride in the house of God. When we pray, we've got to come humbly into the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We've got to tiptoe in God's presence, not just walk in in arrogance saying, oh, I am myself mighty. In God's presence, we are but dust. And this fear of the Lord leads to humility. One more example, chapter 23 and verse 17. And you'll notice again one of these parallel statements. Chapter 23, 17. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all day long. Now, here's what you would call reverse parallelism, because the, the parallel statement to fear is given first, and then the explanation is the fear of the Lord. Let not thine heart envy sinners. Now, the opposite to envying sinners is the fear of the Lord. And when you envy sinners, what are you saying? You want to be like them. You wish you were in their shoes. You wish you were driving their car. You wish they were living in their big mansion. Maybe you're envying the Hollywood lifestyle. And so, the spirit of envy is a jealousy to be like sinners. That's, that's the statement here. Let not thine heart envy sinners. So, what is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is to be like the Lord. It's to live like Him. 
It's to be holy as he is holy. It is to be just as he is just. It is to be good, gracious, kind, loving, merciful, as God has all of those characteristics. And so the fear of the Lord is a jealousy for God. Do you have that today? Every born-again Christian ought to have this jealousy for God. You ought to be jealous of his name. Now, God reveals himself as a jealous God. In the Ten Commandments, he says that. I am the jealous God. The story of Elijah teaches that God is jealous. Now, if we have the fear of the Lord and are envious of the Lord, there will be in the born-again Christian a jealousy over God's name, God's glory, God's character, and his honor. You will want to be in a church that honors him. You will want to choose Christian friends, a wife or a husband, that is guarding God's honor. Could you imagine how horrible it would be for a born-again Christian to be married to someone who has no regard for the Lord, takes his name in vain, walks in the ways of the world, no thought of God? That's division. And so the fear of the Lord makes you jealous for his glory and his name. And that's how every Christian ought to be. And it's like that man who walked into the house and says, is the fear of the Lord in this house? That means, is God's name honored, guarded, held sacred? If someone came into this church sanctuary right now and asked, is the fear of the Lord in this place? That would mean, do we really love his word? Do we honor him in our praises, in our prayers, in our devotions? Or do we bring the world into the church, bring our own honor and seek to exalt man in the church? You can see how the worldly church is so different from the church where the fear of the Lord rules and ought to be set. Now, I only want to do two things today. Normally, I do have three points, but just two today. I want to talk about the value of the fear of the Lord. And then secondly, on the need to grow in the fear of the Lord. There's a number of areas where the value of the fear of the Lord is so true. The fear of the Lord leads us to true practical wisdom. Let's go back to Proverbs 1-7 now. Back to this proverb of all proverbs, this mother proverb. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so the first thing that the fear of the Lord will do, it, it leads us to true practical wisdom. It does not produce people who are so holy or so heavenly, they're of no earthly use. Godly people, God-fearing people, are the most practical people on earth. They are the most useful people on earth. They are busy people. 
because they want their lives to be used by God. Now, let's go to Proverbs 15, verse 2. I want you to see here, it says, The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Fearing the Lord, this kind of wisdom is practical. William Arnott, the Puritan who wrote on this subject, he likened it this way, that the fear of the Lord is the foundation. The wisdom that comes from the fear of the Lord is the edifice, the building that goes up upon the foundation. And those who have what they call earthly wisdom, man's wisdom, worldly wisdom. They have all these pieces of knowledge, like building materials, but they have no foundation to put it upon. And that's why man's wisdom is so changeable. You've got this fad and this idea, and they're floating this, and next week or next month, next year. In the medical world, it's changing all the time. The thing that you shouldn't have eaten last year, you better start eating this year. You know how it goes in the medical world. School textbooks on science, they always getting updated. Could you imagine a child coming home with a 200-year-old biology book to be the textbook for the class? It wouldn't work. Why? Well, 200 years ago, when people were sick, they bled them to make them healthy. You read about kings who had these elite doctors, and they were brought in to try and cure sicknesses amongst the rich and wealthy, and they actually drew blood, pints and pints of blood, to try and make them healthy. If you were to do that today, there would be a law case. Things, the wisdom of man changes. It's floating. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It gives it a solid foundation. One example of this is the nuclear bomb. Now, I'm no physicist. I don't know all the ins and outs of how to make a nuclear bomb. You're probably saying that's a good thing. <laughs> These people, the less people that know how to make a nuclear bomb, the better. Because when a nuclear bomb gets in the hands of a wicked person, and that's what we're dealing with in North Korea, you have this man who claims to be an atheist, a dictator, and he wants the nuclear bomb ability. But what's he going to do with it? He could wipe the majority of people off the face of the globe. He would but do harm with it, because the fear of the Lord is not there. The, even the idea of God is not there. The existence of God is not there. And so it is becomes foolishness. And you've got this great technology in the hands of a dictator who becomes a fool. And that's what the world is afraid of today. That's why there has to be some way to stop this, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I have to ask you, what are you doing with your brain? What are you doing with the facts, the figures, the details, the information that comes into your mind? What are you doing with it? Without the fear of the Lord, you will act foolishly. You will do the wrong thing. 
That's why the, the world is in trouble. That's why we have wars. That's why we have breakdown and dysfunctional society and homes, because all this information is coming, but there isn't the fear of the Lord to lay the foundation to use that information. And it is only when you trust in God and believe in the Lord as your Savior and Redeemer, and that your life is ruled by the fear of the Lord, then you become practically wise. You will know the right thing and the right path, the right decision at those particular times. So the, the value of this fear of the Lord, it's practical wisdom. Also, the fear of the Lord enables us to drink at the fountain of truth. Did you see the second part of verse 7, Proverbs 1, 7? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. An unteachable spirit, because of man's pride, because he wants to be autonomous to rule himself, he wants to be free with no one telling him what to do, what is right, what is wrong. And oh boy, does that ever describe our world, our society today, where you have this proud man saying, don't you tell me how to live or what I'm doing wrong or right. There is no right and wrong. If you look at verses 29 and 30 in this chapter, it says, For they that hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. And so these are not the people that drink at the fountain of knowledge. These are the people that despise it. They turn away from it. And of course, they become fools. And they make carnage of their lives, of marriages, of homes, and of children. Children that are raised to be delinquent. Children that are raised to be unmanageable and unteachable. You just talk to school teachers and employers when young men and women come into the workforce. What is the problem, the biggest problem with the workforce? Pride. The, the inability to follow instruction. The, the unwillingness to follow this instruction. Now, I'm not talking about when you go to Ikea and you buy that little you know, piece of furniture and the, your wife holds the instruction manual and you've got the screwdriver and she's telling you where to put the, the, the screws and all of that. We men like to think we can do it without the instructions. But that spirit, unwillingness to listen to instruction is a huge problem. When you become a Christian and you bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, what are you saying? You're saying, Lord, you teach me. You lead me. You guide me. And it now becomes the fear, the reverence of the Lord that rules your life. A whole different attitude comes in. And that's why you need to bow the knee and surrender your all 
to the Lord Jesus, that you might begin to drink at the fountain of life. By his power over sin I prevail. I can walk in the path that he trod. There in the presence of Jesus I stand, glorified Son at the Father's right hand. There I can I can Today we have had a message in the book of Proverbs on pride. And here is a story on humility uh, in the life of Hudson Taylor, the English missionary to China. On one occasion, someone said to the late Hudson Taylor, the English physician, whom God used to establish the China Inland Mission, you must sometimes be tempted, Mr. Taylor, to be proud because of the wonderful way God has used you. I doubt if any man living has had greater honor. To this gracious word, Mr. Taylor made reply. On the contrary, I often think that God must have been looking for someone small enough and weak enough for him to use, and that he found me. In days of stress, long ago, the prophet Zechariah declared an undying truth, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Oh, it's true. It's true. When we are in the Lord's work and we have an opportunity to serve, uh, there is at that time you do not feel any smaller because the work is so great, it's like paddling in the Atlantic Ocean. It is, it is being lost in that great sea, and we have to cling to the Lord. We have to trust in his grace to support and help and to bring us through. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And we cling to that, that there is the anointing and the empowering of God the Holy Spirit, so that when we feel small, we cling to the one who is mighty. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will give you strength. Put your confidence not in men, nor in horses, nor in yourself, but look only to the arm of the Lord, to the Lord Jesus, who is your strength. The Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And I have been on and hold upon this verse in Colossians 1.29, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. May that be true in your heart too. And I pray that you will know the power of God in your own soul and in your own service for the Master. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.